right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor. After a tough Game 1 loss to the Miami Heat in Miami, Boston Celtics were a little shorthanded, almost looked like they could maybe get a grip on this game, and then things kind of fell off the wheels here in the third quarter of a historically disaster of a quarter. Lucas, how are we feeling after uh, such a disappointing loss in game one? You know, it is disappointing. Uh, this felt like a winnable game in the first half. I was very optimistic. Felt like the Celtics were getting easy shots. You know, they were making, or not easy shots, but they were getting good shots, I should say. And they were making the Heat really work for theirs. Like you said, halftime comes and goes. Third quarter, the Heat really pick up the intensity. Celtics cannot take care of the ball. Uh, I was 34 to 12 in that third quarter. And honestly, if you lose a quarter 34 to 12, the chances are you're probably not going to win the game. So, you know, I feel pretty good, all things considered. Like my general outlook for the series, I don't think really has changed too much, you know, but it was disappointing just because, you know, the Celtics had a chance to uh, win this game, I think. So it's disappointing, but I feel good still. How about you, Pat? How are you feeling? Um, You know, I, I like some things that I still seen throughout this, this game. And then there was other things that I didn't like so much. Obviously, you know, we can point out a lot in that third quarter. Um, but the thing that, that was really kind of shocking was seeing Marcus Smart and Al Horford both get scratched right before the game. So seeing both of those two guys out of the lineup and, and then seeing the Celtics kind of I, – I knew that they would try, probably come out a little bit hot and Miami would come out a little bit on the softer side. That's why I had assumed that we were going to win this game. But – having those two starters kind of taken away from the lineup as well is just kind of a rough scenario. They did start out pretty well, though. We had that 7-0 start right off the rip. Um, White had a pretty nice block in that first quarter. Miami was held to like two points in the first three minutes, and it was just like everything was clicking. Like that first quarter, like first six minutes was like flawless basketball. And then all of a sudden, you know, Miami Heat kind of get a little bit more rhythm, get a little bit more rhythm, and – uh, Tyler Hero did a lot of good things for them, and I didn't really like the way that we kept playing the under on Tyler Hero. And he was like, all right, he's just going to step into an open jumper. And it, it really made the Celtics pay and let the Miami Heat kind of hang around in that first half. Yeah, you know, I I definitely noticed that as well. You know, I think what they're doing is they're they're dropping on those screens that Bam sets because they don't really view Bam as an offensive threat besides like rolling to the hoop. So they're dropping the big there and, you know, just having the guy chase, chase, you know, behind Tyler hero. And if Bam sets a good screen, he's going to get a, he's going to get some good shots. So yeah, Tyler hero definitely kept him in it there in that first half. Um, Did feel like the Celtics had a chance to open it up a little bit. And, you know, Tyler kind of prevented that, you know, I know we don't, most Celtics fans are not a big fan of him, you know, myself included. I don't love the guy, but man, he's a bucket. He's a dog. He knows how to create his own shot. He knows how to put the ball through the hoop, and you got to respect him for that. Um, that's why he won six men of the year. So, no, I mean, there's there's a reason why he won six men of the year. He's a very impressive player, and I thought in the first half, Miami's best player, right? Like, you look at how that that first half went, and the Miami were only down eight, where I thought they could have been down like eighteen, but. Hero was really good for him and allowed them to really stay within the game. Um, as well as, like, I thought the ball was moving incredibly well in that first half for the Celtics. They were doing pretty good at just moving the ball 
moving off the ball and all of a sudden, you know, it just, it kind of all fell out in the second half. Um, another uh, highlight was we got to see Aaron Neesmith minutes in that second quarter and what a block, man. Dumb. He had a few blocks tonight, but that first block I think was probably probably his highlight of his career at this point, right? You're talking about a playoff game, Eastern Conference final, you get a block like that. That's probably his highlight of his career. Yeah, that was insane. Honestly, I was going crazy when he made that block. Um, you know, we kind of expected to see Neesmith with those late scratches, you know, especially obviously Smart, you know, the guard rotation might being, being a little bit thinner there without Smart. Um, what a block by Neesmith. Also, just want to say also that great block that you brought up, that Derek White block, terrific play as well. But, um, you know, Neesmith was really good, you know, made actually three phenomenal blocks throughout the game, but he's still, it's so hard for him to find his rhythm on offense. And that's really going to hurt the Celtics when he's out there because he's literally nothing on offense. Like it kind of reminds me of semi Ojale to some degree where it's like, you know, you're going to get some good minutes on defense, but if teams can just fully ignore him on the offensive end, how much value does that really bring? So, you know, hopefully, you know, and smart, um, my fingers are crossed that he plays, but if he doesn't play in game two, hopefully Neesmith can knock down some shots for us. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, he just came out, Pat. I mean, I don't know. You want to start? You want to go through the game or or just kind of talk about it generally here? I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're here in the, in the second quarter, I still think too as well in the in that second quarter you're talking about how Neesmith wasn't much on offense. Well, Prem Pritchard came out hot as well. Like yes, you're talking about, he had eight points in his first eight minutes in the, and as did came Ross. Slinging it, yeah, he, Rob, he did really well. No, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to gloss over that. Sorry, uh, but in the first quarter, Rob as well had eight points in eight minutes. Rob Williams came out playing really well offensively and defensively. I just don't want to gloss over that in the first quarter. But Peyton, uh, Peyton came out making shots, kind of you know. Pushed the Celtics lead out a little bit, you know, but Hero was right there to match a lot of those buckets, it felt like, um, down the stretch. Same thing with Jimmy. Jimmy just was getting to the line at will, pretty much getting his mid-range, you know, pull-up, which is like a layup to Jimmy Butler. I think we all know that at this point. Um, So, yeah, that second quarter, you know, it felt like the Celtics should have had, you know, a much bigger lead there going into halftime, I think. Than uh than they did there. Yeah, I I thought the Celtics kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit, and Miami started hitting some really good sh- shots. Uh, the offense was flowing though, right? Like you look at the Celtics in the first half, and you're saying 62 points. You know, 62 points is exactly around like a good number to to have at halftime. But giving up 54, I was a little. I was a little like taken back. I was like, wow, we really gave up that many points. It feels like we should have given up way less and we should be up by way more. Um, you're also talking about that first half by Jason Tatum, who we haven't even touched on was he had 21 points in that first half. And again, like he was just in a zone, you know, right. He had 21 points, five assists, four rebounds. And he was on six to 64% field goal shooting. He was just hitting everything. And he was hitting some tough shots over like bam, uh, getting it over like uh, Jimmy Butler or, or PJ Tucker. It didn't really matter who was on him in that first half. He was getting to his spots and was getting really comfortable and able to knock down some really tough shots. Yeah. Tatum was actually on one pad in the first half. I mean, he was locked into that different zone. You know, the I'm better than you. I'm bigger than you. I can score over anybody. Um, 
and that kind of there disappeared there in the second half. But it is kind of crazy that we went so long without even bringing up Tatum, given how phenomenal that first half was. And it almost felt like we were trending towards, you know, another, I don't want to say classic, but another really big performance from Jason Tatum there after the first half. That's what it felt like all the signs were pointing to. And like you said, 62 points and a half, especially coming off of that Buck series, you know, it really did feel like things were going well offensively. And, you know, my whole thing we talked about last show is that I believe the Celtics had the offensive edge, you know, over the heat. And that's why I felt confident. And for three out of the four quarters, we did have the offensive edge. But the one quarter we didn't, the heat had a massive advantage. Um, And, you know, Pat, I want to bring this up to you. So at one point, I believe that this was the second quarter. The Celtics had 40, 40 points in the paint to the heat's 20 or 22. Do you know what the points in the paint finished as? For the Celtics? Just for both teams. So it was about 40 to four, 40 to 22, I believe, in the second quarter at one point. In I'm favor gonna of the guess, Celtics. I'm going to guess that it turned out to be like 51 to like 55. Uh, pretty close, but 48 to 40. So oh, wow. the Heat, you know, just in the second half, Obviously had a lot easier time scoring inside than the Celtics. If the Celtics only had eight points in the paint in the second half, you know, that's just a losing, a losing strategy, you know, because it was very clear that in the second half, the Heat were going to live with the Celtics non-shooters or worse shooters taking open threes. And they're going to live with their better shooters taking contested threes. And, uh, you know, I think Ime said after the game, they were looking for the contact as opposed to looking to score. And that's probably another big factor in why the Celtics only managed to like uh, those eight points in the second half in the paint. Yeah, and and I think also an, another reason for this mainly goes towards the disaster in that third quarter. You're you're talking about getting outscored thirty nine to fourteen for one is just terrible. Fourteen points is just that that puts you away, right? Like fourteen points in a quarter. What do you what are you doing at that point? Um, then you also have Tatum having six turnovers in the third quarter, Jalen Brown having two turnovers that accounted for all Boston's turnovers in the third. So you can't even be blaming it on the role players of like, Hey, they're not hitting shots right now. Nobody's hitting. Um, you know, we're just playing terrible or something. No, it literally was your star players were turning over the ball in the third quarter and watching this lead just climb and climb and climb again. And, and then you got on top of it, the Heat were 14 of 17 from the free throw line in that quarter. They shot 17 free throws at 14 points at the line. The Heat had more points at the free throw line than the Celtics had all quarter. They literally matched them. Heat had 14 at free throw line. Celtics had that the whole quarter. So Is that bad? Is that bad, Patrick? <laughs> that's that's God terrible. That is God awful. I am it's actually baffling. It's baffling to me. Um, but it's also reassuring. And I, I I'll get into why I'm I'm still feeling good, you know, once we finish covering the game. Yeah, I mean the turnovers are a big part of it. I mean, I mentioned the last show, I texted pretty much everybody I know who I knew was watching the game. You know, if the Celtics take care of the ball, this feels pretty good. And guess what they did not do? Absolutely, they they did not take care of the ball. Actually, you know, you're supposed to treat the ball like a baby, or like you know, a very precious item, and they were treating it like it was a piece of trash, pretty much, throwing it away four possessions in a row at one point. I mean, 
they came out of a timeout, turned it over, then turned it over the next – I think it was three possessions. They turned it over, and then they turned it over again. I couldn't even believe what I was watching. I've never the even Jimmy seen – The Jimmy Butler ones? Are you talking about yeah, the Jimmy Butler steal? So Jimmy Butler steal? I've never even yeah. seen so many turnovers get turned over in such quick succession. Like, it was, it was frankly ridiculous. And like you said, this was not really on the role players in the third quarter. I mean, our star players turning the ball over and not shooting well. And uh, like you said, when a team matches your whole points for the quarter with their free throws from the quarter, that is absolutely not a good look. And, uh, yeah, that pretty much was the absolute downfall of the Celtics right there. And Ime said himself after the game, I told these guys they were going to turn up the pressure in the second half, turn up the intensity. And, you know, I got to give my credit to the Heat and to Coach Spolstra because they turned up the dang intensity. P.J. Tucker looked like he was hurt. He came back out there like it was nothing. Jimmy turned up the intensity. Shout out guys, I hate to say this, but shout out to guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, you know, not the biggest names on the planet, but they were playing their butts off and making shots tonight from outside, so that really propelled the heat to victory, as well as that great performance from Jimmy Butler. And then Bam. You know, Bam is just a phenomenal defender. Uh, looks like the Celtics wanted to attack him with Jalen, like off the dribble. You know, I don't know if I love that. I mean, Jalen could create a little bit of separation, you know, we saw throughout the game on Bam. But one time he created, you know, what was arguably the most separation he had, and Bam recovered and was able to make an unbelievable block, you know, onto the backboard where it got stuck between the room and the backboard. So I wonder if the Celtics shy away from that. And, uh, yeah, honestly, I just got to give my props to the Heat for that third quarter, Pat. I mean, they really just came out ripping on offense and mostly defense. I mean – Bam thought he deserved Defensive Player of the Year for a reason. He wasn't just that's not that's not uh, you know the delusion on Bam's part. He is a phenomenal defender and he helps anchor one of the best defenses in the NBA. Yeah, and the, I think the Heat are, are a little lucky here to have uh, the real Defensive Player of the Year this year, not uh, able to play in Game One. Uh, <laughs> but going into into this as well, we we had the fourth quarter where. Celtics didn't give up, and they, they kind of got it within, like, 10 points, 8 points, and they just kind of, like, stayed there, right? Because the Miami Heat just kept hitting tough shots, tough shots. We had that scary uh, Robert Williams fall when Bam got caught under him for that flagrant one. That was kind of a really scary moment. Then we had Grant Williams landing into Bam, and they were both on the floor. Uh, that was kind of a wild moment. A lot of collisions, a lot of collisions tonight. It just yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to watch that fourth quarter, even though like you know, like we were we were gonna be clawing back from pretty far back and the Celtics were just not gonna have enough in it. Jimmy Butler also was just hitting he had that shot right in the the corner where the time was ticking down, and I think he had uh was it Tatum on him in front of him? He had somebody like right in front of him and he just threw up a three to beat out uh the shot clock. Buried it. And he buried it. I was just like, okay, if you're hitting shots like that tonight, we'll tip your hat. You could take an 11-point win at home without two of our starters. We can live with that. I, I think that's something that I can be like, all right, that's okay. You know? Yeah, honestly, in, in that fourth quarter, Pat, when the Celtics were making their strongest push, the Heat came and hit back-to-back-to-back to back to back threes, two of which the Celtics managed to answer, but – they couldn't answer the third, and it was pretty much, you know, just out of reach for the rest of the game after that. But those three shots in a row were just ridiculous, especially the one from Struess with the hand in his face. But, hey, that guy's a shooter, man. He's a good player. We saw him here in Boston, knocked on some shots, and uh, 
it's honestly pretty painful to see him uh, doing this to us down in Miami. Not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I I totally get that, and um, but I'm also like going into seeing the this game and how it kind of flowed and everything and went. I'm still pretty optimistic, and I just think that the Celtics showed. This definitely wasn't like their best game, but they also had a couple scratches early, and I, I do know we'll see Smart at one point in the series, and we'll see Horford as, as well probably one point in the series. So knowing that we got guys like that coming in, and they're going to fill up a lot of these holes, right? So uh, something that the, the Heat really exploited was Peyton Pritchard minutes. Like when he was on defense, they just seeked them out and attacked them almost every time they could. Uh, same with Daniel Tice. They they definitely try to attack Daniel Tice more. And you know, with Al Horford's rim protection, it's it's just way more of a you know threat than, than Daniel Tice is able to offer. I'm excited to see how the Celtics uh, adjust. But I think that in this game, you asked a lot from Jimmy Butler to be great. You had a lot of uh, free throws. You also had the Celtics just play like the worst quarter in like franchise history. So for me, the Celtics have a lot of things that I don't see repeating in order to go in so much favor of the Heat, allowing, I think, the next game to be a really close one. Yeah, man. Yeah, like you said, you said you said that third quarter was the worst quarter in franchise history. Uh, it may be playoff history, probably Eastern Conference. It sure Conference felt like finals. it, no, Pat. Pat, it sure felt like it. And if anything, it was definitely the worst quarter we played, you know, in the year 2022. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Like you said, it took 40 points from Jimmy Butler with famous stat padding at the end. Okay, we all saw it, Jimmy. Um, but no, just your Peyton Pritchard points on a serious note, like. Uh, he was great offensively. Like you said, eight points, eight minutes. I think he finished with 14 points. I know he took 16 shots, okay, which is probably on the high side, in my in my opinion, for how many shots I want Peyton taking. You know, I know he was he's a good shot maker. He's a big shot maker. I get that. But, you know, if you're shooting six for 16 and then you're getting absolutely hunted on the defensive end, like you mentioned, by Jimmy, by pretty much anybody, and he was trying his hardest to guard Hero, but Hero's just a little too big and a little too good. He can go by him like it's almost nothing. So, you know, I know it was a different series, but in 2020, man, Kemba was getting haunted in those switches. And Spolster's a phenomenal coach, and he's not going to let those Peyton Pritchard minutes go unpunished. So I just wonder what the adjustment here is. I think getting smart back will, will do a lot to help the Celtics not hemorrhage some points with their with their backup guard rotation. Yeah, and, and to that point as well with Peyton Pritchard, the Miami Heat ran 10 pick and rolls where Pritchard was the screen defender, five, and that's five times as much as any other Celtics player. So, And then they, they, he ended up scoring 13 points on seven that resulted in a, a direct attack. So definitely a, an issue from – the Celtic standpoint that they need to address as far as Peyton Pritchard. And and that's where like not, not having Marcus smart, right. Is going to hurt. You know, you can either have Marcus smart and Derek white out there and maybe Pritchard doesn't even play. Um, it's just tough because the Celtics are going to need Marcus smart back in here. One for the playmaking that I felt kind of was stagnant in that third quarter. Uh, Tatum obviously turning over the ball, Jalen Brown turning over the ball. They didn't have smart just to hand it off to, 
Tatum definitely did a lot of playmaking in that first half and, and did a lot, a lot of scoring. So here we need just need Marcus Smart is the key to, to everything kind of getting right back on ship. But I also think Marcus Smart swings a lot of things for and corrects a lot of things the Celtics did wrong in this game. I 100% agree. I think he takes the playmaking duty off Tatum and Brown to a degree in which the Celtics don't have anyone else that can do that to Smart's level, especially when Horford is not playing. It's not like Horford really is going to bring the ball up like a point guard, but, you know, he definitely can, uh, you know, we can run the offense through him. But, you know, Smart takes that pressure off him, which probably limits some of those turnovers. And, you know, Smart's like the heart and soul of this team, man. You know, it's been that way. He was lighting into the team during that third quarter, hopefully lit a fire under them. But uh, I do just want to emphasize, you know, as much as this, this stinks, Pat, and, you know, we did lose by double digits and Jimmy had 40 and all this stuff, um, I feel like it's most annoying only because this game, you know, we had a chance to steal game one in a game that nobody thought we were going to win. That's really why it annoys me or is, I should say is frustrating for me. But as far as my outlook on the series, I don't I don't feel any worse necessarily than I did, you know, before the game just because we were missing Smart and Holford, man. That's a big deal. And it also took a lot for them to still win. And it took a lot of mistakes on our part for them to still win, which I believe will be cleaned up. So I still feel pretty good. I don't want to like, you know, seem like I don't know if I'm coming off like super negative, but you know, I do feel I do feel pretty good, even though this was a tough game to lose, because I felt like it was right there. Yeah, it, it may not have changed Lucas's standpoint, but it has changed mine in the sense that I went from Celtics in five to Celtics in six. Okay, I didn't know Marcus Smart and Al Horford weren't going to play game one when I made that prediction. I had a stealing game one in Miami and switching over to <laughs> Boston home court advantage no type thing. No so back. I just want to clear it. You know, I'm, you know, obviously I can't take it back. That was a prediction before the series, know. but. Had I known the Marcus Martin Al Horford thing, uh, I definitely would have said Celtics in six. Yeah, so. yeah, no, no, uh, it, that makes sense. Listen, it was it was the late scratches, you know. But uh, dude, the Al Horford no one was brutal. Pat. <laughs> that was brutal. No, I got plus, we should just touch on that, Pat. I mean, Horford entering the health and safety protocols. He's. I'm pretty. He hasn't much been ruled out. out for game two. He hasn't been ruled out for game two. So that tells I, me I, one I thing is that he's two. probably vaccinated. So. I would expect him to miss game two um, just because if he's in health and safety at this point, that means he's probably showing symptoms, which means he might be a little bit sick. So, you know, there's still a whole pandemic going on. Um, but, no, you know, so they still had a chance to win this game even without those two of their top four guys. So it really sucks to let opportunities like that slip away. So I think Marcus Smart yeah. plays game two as well. I think so. Marcus is a dog. So, uh I think he'll be back, but the Horford thing, it's just, it just the timing is such a bummer. You know what I mean? It's just right before the beginning of the conference. It's his third time catching COVID within a year's time. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just unfortunate, man. But like I said, doesn't really change my outlook, you know, super long way, even though it is frustrating just because, you know, I felt like this game was in our grasp. Had we made a few more plays, done a few things differently at the end of that second. And certainly during that third quarter, it feels like things could have, uh, could you know, went our way. And as far as Al Horford's vaccination status, he is vaccinated. He I, he's confirmed that he's vaccinated. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, we also talked to, dang man, I didn't even realize that. So there's just a tweet out saying that uh, coming out of the second timeout, you may call trying to collect his team inexcusable. Th- 
three turnovers from Jason Tatum in 33 seconds. Yikes. Yeah, yeah you that's what I was talking like about that. earlier. I've literally, I don't know if I've ever seen so many turnovers in such quick succession since I played in rec league. Like, I'm not trying to be rude or demeaning, but it was like I turned my head for one second to say to my roommate, are, are you seeing this? And I turned back around when the Celtics were dribbling the ball up, and, you know, they had already turned it over again. I was like, I can't believe this. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get another 33 seconds like that, and let's hope so. But uh, And it's it, it's a bummer, but I'm not, I'm not taking no doomsday attitude, you know, towards the rest of the series. I still feel pretty good about things. All right. How are we feeling about Game 2, Lucas? What are our predictions for Game 2 in Miami? Game 2, listen, honestly, I don't know who's playing, right? So it's kind of hard for me to make a prediction, to be completely honest. Is that fair? All right, let's make the assumption that Smart plays Horford's out. Okay, okay. I think that's the most likely, so we're going to go with the most likely. I agree. So if Smart plays and Horford doesn't, I think we win by like three points or something. I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked. Honestly, I don't really know if I have a good prediction here because I could definitely see it going either. You know, Miami going up 2-0. And I don't think this is like a must-win game for the Celtics. Obviously, you want to steal one on the road. But I don't think this series is over if we go down 2-0. Um, I, I don't know, Pat. What do you, what do you got? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can get a read on it. But I think, I think, I think the Celtics have smart plays. And Lowry does not. And Al Horford does not as well. Um, I I'm got the, about like two or three points. I I got the Heat winning game two, and here is why. I don't think I we're gonna assume that Marcus Smart plays, right? I don't think Marcus Smart's fully healthy yet. Um, and I think he's gonna force himself to play, and then he's gonna probably have to go out. Al Horford not being out there is more crucial. It might be even more crucial as well with Smart being not a hundred percent. So my thing is that. Miami takes the first two home games. Cool. Series doesn't really start until you kind of win on the road anyways, most series. So I just think that the this Celtics team is going to regroup in game three pretty heavily, and I think that Smart will feel a lot better then. I think we will get Al Horford back, and I think the Celtics will win four straight after that. Wow. Pretty pretty crazy, pretty crazy uh, prediction, but here we are. That puts me at Celtics in, in six. So um, yeah, for think, you to th- you know for you to think Celtics in six, I'm sure you're you're thinking that this has to be a win in game two, or else this is going to be really tough to win in six. Yeah, you know, I think I think we do. I think we do win game two by a couple points here. I think we're going to take home court back. Um, but, you know, I do think, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a lot easier to win in six games and not go to seven games if we can steal one, you know, one of these first two games in Miami. So that's what I'm hoping for, and that's what I think is going to happen because I'm telling you, I felt really good in that first quarter especially. Second quarter, things got a little bit, you know, I didn't feel as good. Yeah, but third quarter was your quarter, favorite we one. Getting... Third quarter was your favorite, right? Oh, my God, dude. I didn't even... <laughs> Listen, I know the Celtics chat was talking about they turned the game off. Listen, that's never going to be me. I'm watching until there's zeros on the clock, but it did feel pretty desolate in that third quarter. But I think the Celtics can get back to using Rob in the dunker spot in the lob thread. It was really good. So what are the keys? What are your keys then? You, you, you think it's Take Rob? care of the ball. Take care of the ball, number one. That's a big one. Put it not on the bulletin board in all caps. Take care of the ball. Treat it like your baby. Okay. Um, number two, I would say um, 
take care of the ball now and move the ball. Okay, don't let the ball stick. The second that a double comes to Tatum, which it inevitably will, move the ball. And you heard Grant saying that. He was mic'd up. Move the ball. Don't change how we play. And then uh, lastly, I would say, you know, maybe JB turns it on a little bit earlier than than the end of the game where it was kind of out of reach already. So I would say JB because we do need JB to play like a number two, I think, to win this. So we'll see. What, how about you, Pat? What do you think? What no, I, I like all those points. I think those are all really, really strong points. I think turnovers obviously have to be number one addressed, right? You can't uh, you can turn over the ball. At least a shot is at least a chance. Turnover is not even a shot at that point. Definitely have to limit that. Tatum has to be able to match the physicality. He can't let the physicality knock him out of his game like that. Um, three is going to be... Stop searching for fouls. Stop foul hunting. Just because the other team is getting the calls doesn't mean you're going to get the calls. So continue to play your game and don't get frustrated. Don't start settling. Don't start slowing yourself down on passes. Continue to attack the rim. I want to see them attack the rim more. Uh, You talked about how they had so many points in the paint in the first half and then they just went away for it in the second half. So seeing the Celtics do that, we need a lot more of, of the consistency of the aggression of being physical and not being scared of getting to the rim. I 100% agree with that. You know, stop this foul baiting. Okay, play to score. Don't play to don't play for contact. You know, this was kind of discussion we had Pat at the beginning of the year, back in like November. You know, when Tatum was searching out contact as opposed to searching out the bucket, and then he really got away from that. So I 100% agree with that final key to the game. But uh, I also think just keeping that intensity up when things get tough because the Celtics did look a little rattled when it was uh, the crowd was rocking. You know, that's no offense. That's kind of unlike the airline center. Um, Mike Breen himself said, I think he said it's the loudest I've ever heard this crowd. They were rocking. The intensity was turned up. Jimmy was hiking his shorts up. They were playing physical defense. And the Celtics kind of crumbled there. In that kind of, no, I'm not even going to say kind of. They crumbled there in that third quarter. So just keep that intensity up. Keep your wits about you. And I think we'll be able to, uh, I think we'll be able to pull out with a winning game too. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping so as well. And I'm hoping, you know, last time I picked the Celtics to lose, they, they won. So maybe, back to back. Maybe I need to do that more often. Maybe I need to do that more often, huh? So let's see. Uh, Definitely going to be a, a tough game, though, from the Celtics. They're going to have to do a lot here in game two to make sure that they get the victory. Uh, they, they do have the talent, man. We've seen it. We've seen them in that first quarter, first half. And this team has what it takes to to get a win in Miami here in one of these games. So going to be looking forward to see if Marcus Smart's able to, to join up and also help out. But, uh, man, that uh, pretty much does it for me here. Lucas, do you have anything else you want to add before we close out the show? I do not. I think that's it. I hope Deuce enjoys his time swimming and his day off. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, the guys get in the lab, look at some film. Hopefully, Eme can make some good adjustments to match the wonderful coaching of Eric Spolstra. And uh, hopefully we can work out a game, too, with the win, Pat. That's all from me, man. Yes, sir. Make sure you guys head over to – Twitter and go ahead and give us both a follow at Ball and Opinions at Lucas underscore Gainer. 
uh, or sorry, Luca underscore Ganner. And then you also got the show at Sports Ethos Celtics. You guys can also make sure to leave those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us out a ton. We appreciate all the love and support. Come in here and Spotify Live app and come kick it with us as we do our shows live off the Spotify Live app as well. We do appreciate all the support and love, and it doesn't go unnoticed, guys. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Echo all that. Shout out anybody who was here in the live show. Shout out anyone who downloads the show. Me and Pat really appreciate all the love. Make sure you go on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, also over to sportsethos.com. You know, we have a podcast for a lot of different teams there. So um, if you want to listen to, you know, the, about the other playoff series, you know, go over there and check it on out. So uh, you can get coverage from everybody, not just the Boston Celtics. Yes, sir. Thank you guys again so much. I hope you guys have a great night. Have a good one.